Y'all, we live in difficult times. There's war, political unrest, the pandemic, poverty, families being torn, communities ripped by gun violence and people dying every day. Police, injustice, it's all bringing so much pain. But y'all, we can look inside our minds and we can understand who we are, become better, and do this thing like we've never done it before. But it all starts with our mental health and I know we can do it. I believe in you because I believe in me and I believe in us. Hello, this is Gerald McGee of Everyday People Individual and Family Counseling Center, your therapist and social worker here in Euclid, Ohio, in the big red building in the middle, the Shore Cultural Center, that is. And we're so excited to be here today. Listen, we thank you and we appreciate all you that are listening to us in North Carolina, of course, Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, New York, Texas, Maryland, D.C., and I could go on and on. And what about those people internationally? Italy, Ghana, South Africa, Russia, Canada, Mexico. We appreciate you too. Today, we're going to be talking about grief. And I know I seem very excited. In most cases, I am. But grief is a very serious issue that we want to discuss because for all of us, grief is a real thing. We will experience it at some point in time in life. But first, before yes, we go yes, yes. too far, we want to take a moment for our attitude of gratitude. And today, I would say, make peace because life and tomorrow is not promised. So in this day, in this very moment, if you're angry, if you're upset, mm. resolve it. Make peace because tomorrow is not promised. Listen, y'all. Today we have with us Mrs. Delilah Grayer. She is a licensed professional counselor. How you doing, Delilah? Beautiful, great. I'm glad to be here. You glad exciting. to be here? That's we yes, glad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If I could ask, how long have you been a counselor? Oh no, I'm gonna be honest. I turned 80 in June, and I would say 60 years. It's 60 a long time. years. Yeah. Man, that is a long time it to is. be doing this. Yes. A long time to be doing this. You have a lot of experience. I do. And I'm grateful. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you could take my life and take BK Watt's life, (laughs) our producer (laughs) over there, and add them together. And we almost would not come up to the amount of time that you've been doing. Experience. You've been experienced as a counselor. So let me ask you a question. What is a gift that you like to leave or give? your clients? Wow, that's a great question. I would say always, what you focus on expands. And so I tell people to focus on what's successful that day. Write it out, you know. I also ask them to really tune in to what are they feeling, kind of scan their bodies. I send with them. My gift to them would be love. It would be love and enlightenment. So the part that really is great for me is I'll Tell people, and this is important, say this to your children and all the people that you feel need encouragement. We all do today. I see you. I hear you. 
and you are worthy and deserving of a full life. Mm. So that's usually what I would say, something along mm, that mm, line. Mm. You're worthy of a full life. And deserving. You're deserving, worthy and deserving of a full life. Y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? Look, y'all want to say there's nothing like intergenerational knowledge. Yes. There's nothing like that. You know, we can look at things through a lens or a frame and we can see a we oftentimes do that in life. We look at things and we try to understand it. But the problem with that is there's a limited amount of information in which we understand things. So when we begin to become intergenerationally aware, mm. we are able to embrace Indeed. and understand. And we can move forward because we don't just see our present. We see our life as a motion picture. And where we are today is built off of what we've already done. There's nothing that we have, Delilah, that's not the result of people's efforts that was before us. Yes. So I appreciate you being here with me today and bringing your knowledge and information because there's nothing that I have or nothing I will be that won't be based on something somebody did in the past. Exactly. Lineage and heritage. Yeah, yeah, said, that's absolutely. Lineage and heritage. Who do I walk? Who do I look like? Who do I talk like? You know, who had an interest in music? Who had an interest in history? You know, different interests, you know. So the grief process is very heavy. It's mm. very heavy. It's like a dynamic that internally it hits you inside. Sometimes you don't even know what it is. The deep part I think about grief right now, universally or globally, is that if you turn on the media, and you automatically are in grief because so much is happening. But we feel that it does not affect us. Man, look, you, okay. you, you already on fire. So help me out for a second here. Delilah, could you help me? Because I know I did one episode on grief and I kind of defined some things. With your expertise and knowledge, could you give us what you would describe what grief is? Yeah, I would describe grief as I basically said. It's an invisible force. That's internal. You cannot always explain it. And it comes in different forms. It affects us physically, mentally, and emotionally. And socially, all the way. Because socially, we become isolated. But physically, we go through all kinds of things. What? I mean, what about the school where all the children got killed? Mm. And the wife died, and five days later, the husband died. You, broken heart. Right. You know, I remember, physically speaking... When in my last episode, I talked about my best friend and cousin passing away mm. that within a few weeks of his passing, his mother had a stroke. She was so devastated oh, wow. around the loss. Yeah. And she's lived a long life, but her life has never physically been the same as it was before mm -hmm. his passing because she was so traumatized around this loss. So when exactly. you think about it physically and you know, how it impacts us. Yes. And mentally, emotionally. It does, and usually, this is not a trend. This is just a personal belief, but when people die right behind each other and so close, I think it's because of a broken heart, that they're so close. I remember my uncle saying to me one day, all my sisters have died, what am I supposed to do? And six weeks later, he died in a grocery store. They even took his groceries, mm. you know, but he didn't know how he was gonna handle his life. So it affects us, you know, we feel wounded. You know, mm. grief is a jigsaw puzzle. You don't really know where the parts fit, what you're going to do, how you're going to live, how do you feel, what's the next thing to do. 
you know, it's also like, I call it like an ocean and a seashore. When you think about the seashore, you go to the beach, you notice how the water just rolls in. And then all of a sudden, as it gets dark, the waves begin to change and things become more serious. But then you can translate that, visualize it as an ocean. And sometimes the grief hits you so hard, it's like a tsunami. It comes in and it blows you away. So, so would you say that when people, and listening to what you just said, would you say that when people maybe like on holidays or special events, they might be going along just kind of being mm -hmm. fine, and then these certain events or activities occur, and then all the emotion and all oh, the feelings related yeah. to the loss Beautiful. will come right back and exactly. boom. It, that's how it is. I can tell you personally. But beyond that, those waves and all the things that happen, those are the memories of anniversary time. We have mm -hmm. anniversary time, the birthdays, the days of the death. When did you do something special? When were you engaged? When you got married? When did you graduate? What did you do when you were, like you said, your best friend? You grew mm -hmm. up together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get these sometimes what I call intuitive possibilities of, wow, something seems strange, and then it ends up being strange. Right. You know, so there's streams of thought that can be very interesting. I want to say this. When you look, I do things with words, and when you look at the word alone, if you put it in the middle of the paper and take a pencil and bring it all the way down horizontally between the A and the L, it says all one. You're never really alone. You're never really alone. You're yeah. never really alone. That, that's good to know that we're never really alone. But when people go through grief, they may feel alone. Exactly. And it, they're, they're not connecting with anyone. Nobody's understanding them. Yeah. You know, with that being said, I am curious, you know, when it comes to grief, because oftentimes when people grieve, people will expect them to have gone through this process mm -hmm. over a certain period of time. Exactly. And when people don't respond as if they're ready to move on in their life, people will look at them and say, what's going on with you? What's wrong with you? Yes. You should be over that by now. You know, you shouldn't be feeling bad about that anymore. You know, there, and then they'll start with these rationalizations about this person should be in a better place or, you know, this person is in a better place and you don't need to be worried about them. All these yes. uh, intellectualizing, Indeed. rationalizing Indeed. around people's loss, which then further influences their feelings exactly. and their emotions because it might lead them to feel, even though they're not alone, that they're more alone because nobody understands me. <laughs> right. Yeah, because they're not, I call it because they're not standing under. They have an umbrella, not standing under. They haven't experienced that. But some of the things, see, initially when make their transition or die, they go into denial. This can't be. How did this happen? Why wasn't I there? You know, I, this is like not working for me. And then after that, after they go into that, there's anger. Right, right, right. So anger is real deep because if you take that word, and you write it out in the middle of paper, A-N-G-E-R. I want you to look at that. Because what word do you see? You see range, you see rag, you see nag, you see gear. I can go on. You can see all these words in anger. Those are the behaviors that come up. And it's natural to be anger, right. angry. So those, and you've put a D in front of anger, which is, it becomes danger. 
So Thank when you're going through a lot of anger around grief, you might want to check out somebody like Gerald or some counselors and therapists yeah. along the way or best friends or yeah. ministers. Yeah, and you know, and as we move through this discussion, we're going to talk more specifically about anger as one of the stages. And, and, and you know, you talk about anger and that feeling that what if I would have done this or yeah. if I would have done that in the bargaining and stuff and you get more angry and, you know, and you're trying to work through that, that can be very, mm-hmm. very difficult. Absolutely. And then a person can move from that and then go back to a, a place of denial and, and really be in this place of denial and everything. Because grieving is not a linear thing. Mm-hmm. We might go from one part of grieving to another part of grieving to another part of And it, this might go on for a long, long oh, period of time. That. Say that. Long, long periods of time. Now, our society, going back to the expectation about how long we grieve, there, there's a lot of ideas out here that grief lasts for a certain period of time. I mean, you know, some as short as three days, seven, wow. 40 days, you know, 21 days. Looking at different cultural ideas and different spiritual ideas around grief, you may be expected to go through these feelings in a certain number of days, and after that's done, you go back to life as normal. And when I think about that, I think, wow. about, when I think about that, I think about the person who, who, we, who they had friends, but they lost their friends and now they feel more isolated because now they live in a exactly. world where their friends are going. Oh, that person who paid their bills or helped them take care of their household and they wake up one day, oh, now I got to manage those bills and mm-hmm. I got to take care of these things, you know, and that can be very difficult to deal with. Absolutely. What do you think the impact is on a parent oh, wow. when they are left trying to help their child deal with grief. That's interesting because culturally for black people, African-American people, the, the saying I've always heard is no child should die before their parents. Okay. That's one of the reactions. But the parents are used just so emotionally, physically, just so overwhelmed that it just takes time. You can't, grief is like a faucet. You can't cut it off and it stays off. You have to allow people to express and one of the ways they're going to express is repeat over and over how the death happened. Mm. And then young people will come in sometimes and they'll say, is this what happened? You told me that. You told me that. You told me that is something you should omit. You should give them the latitude and the sensitivity and the empathy toward allowing them to repeat it. They're going to repeat it. They're going to be repeating it possibly a year later. So yep. keep, keep repeating exactly. until they, they begin to process and exactly. understand. That's what they're what trying to do. They're trying to process they understand and understand it. You, you know, sometimes in adult thinking, feel like we have to provide things a certain way to our kids, which is true. Exactly. Say that. Which is true. We have to provide things a certain way. Uh-huh. But there's many times when we don't realize or we don't act like we should do it in that way and we give it to them in ways they can't really embrace relate, it yeah. or, or re- relate with it and they might think what happened was their fault so oh all the time and because we don't communicate it in the mm-hmm. right way we all we know we, our kids need to learn about death and they need to understand that it's a part of life but the way we communicate it is critical and we have to be able to go on their level excellent we have to go on their level we have uh-huh. to be able to talk about it in a way that they can understand mm-hmm what that this is an end and this is not coming back and it's okay to feel bad or sad or angry or hurt 
and I'm gonna be here to support. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make as parents and adults is to try to demonstrate this, I'm strong as ever, oh. I can handle all this, and our kids don't see us actually managing and dealing with what we are feeling. Because when we act like that, we teach them not to feel. Absolutely, you saw me react to that yes, body ma'am. language. Because that is so often said to us. What is said to us so often is be strong. I mean, has anybody ever died and not said that? But I remember when my mom died and made her transition, someone said that to me, and I have to acknowledge this. I felt very angry. I'm like, to myself, I said, strong. I was born strong, and she was too. It was that kind of attitude, you know. (laughs) We have this whole concept. And for men should not cry. You know, we're dealing with that different. Right. And the media is showing up different and more encouragement around men to cry. But when you stifle those tears, you know, you I call it withholding love from yourself. You mm-hmm. absolutely withhold the love from yourself. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Culturally suggestive is when somebody cries, I take a handkerchief and I tell them to wipe right. their eyes. Right. I'm suggesting you should stop crying. When crying helps us release and actually work through the grief and power the pain, the pain that we have yeah. around something. So we should allow ourselves to release, let go, and embrace yeah, yeah. the pain so we can get better. You want to yeah, say Yeah, because else? see, when you're in a group, you know, I used to work with uh, substance abuse and mental mm-hmm. health and all of that. If someone would cry, we were not allowed, my class, you were not allowed to give them a tissue until they finished. And if they wanted one, they would get up and get it themselves. Because, see, we stifled the, all the things that need to be, you know, released. Like you said, released and let go. You know, there's different ways you want to do that. Right. And that they have, they need to know that they have choices. Right. Thank you for listening. We're going to continue this discussion yes. around grief in our next episode. Thank Stay you. tuned and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you.